we're going to talk about launching your business or putting together a business plan in probate real estate to help you build more business, be more effective in the time you do spend. I'm Bill Gross. I'm a real estate broker in Los Angeles. I'm at Bill Gross Probate on social media or my website's the LA Probate Expert. We do this every Thursday, 4 p.m. Uh, to get together. And just real quick, uh, the website, probateweekly.com. You can sign up and come in on the Zoom call if you register at the Eventbrite, or you can watch live on YouTube. And we also have to continue the conversation on Facebook with a Facebook group called Probate Weekly. Love to have you join us there and continue the conversation, ask questions, and post your probate content. The reason I did this group when I started this was because I needed this. When I started, I um, was a client of alltheleads.com, and they had a coaching call, and it was good. The challenge I felt was that it was, for me, you know, between promoting the company, which is their prerogative, and maybe 70% of the time was about cold calling um, uh, the data that they were selling. And that's not what I was doing. Um, I had done that. Um, I started the real estate business as a Mike Ferry expired listing caller. But when I relaunched my business at 65 years ago, um, I wanted to relaunch a business that I could do for the next five years. I just didn't find myself willing or able to spend three, four hours a day cold calling on the phone like I did when I was younger. And, it, and I really felt that I should be able to leverage my experience and knowledge and my Rolodex to be more effective than being a telemarketer. That didn't seem to be the highest and best use of my business, of my skills. And so I took probate mastery at the time Chad Corbett was the coach since it's been purchased by Bruce Hill, same content, very good. And in the course of the content, he challenged us to go to court one day. Now I was in the process of writing my business plan and he challenged us to go to court one day. When I went to court, I realized there was a lot of things going on there and I could do a couple things at once. I could learn, I could lead generate, meet people who needed my service and I could network with other people. And those are three things that when they intersect become very productive. And that's why I started my business by going to court every day and lead generating in the courthouse. And I did that for a couple of years until COVID uh, hit. And that's why I started this podcast, Couldn't Go to Court, had to find another way to do those three things, was to learn, network, and to lead generate. And so the purpose of this call for me is I learn, usually I have guests on who I can, I can interview and learn from the interviews. I can lead generate because some of you in the call have leads, you're out of state, or for me, a deal in Los Angeles or, or you know, not comfortable handling a listing and probate and refer me business and network with other agents. I need to work with you just like you need to work with somebody else, a coach or mentor. I need to work with you as well to help push me to be better at what I do and to keep doing the things I'm supposed to do. And so I launched this uh, uh, podcast, I want to say about three years ago, seems like. Um, and you know, so we've now done over 150 uh, episodes and we do this every week and I've learned a lot. And so one of the things I do every year is redo my business plan. And what I wanted to do today, uh, while normally we interview people and I have people lined up starting next week, uh, another set of interviews, I wanted to today talk about launching your business uh, because I, I've had so many phone calls from people who are struggling, rethinking, relearning. It's a good time of the year. Maybe the business is slow, good time to spend time on planning. And I do think that the playing part is often not done in our business. So we want to talk about, I want to talk today about a business planning concept on how to launch your business. I'm going to give you some concepts 
and then some specific actions that I've used to build my business and I reuse every year and every 90 days to build my business. So let's talk about those principles. On business planning, the first thing I wanna say is that business planning is a process, it's not an activity. I think that many people say things like, I'll think about it. They're never really gonna think about it. I think about it, I believe is normally another way of saying, I'm gonna put it on the back burner and not think about it until I have to. But your business does um, require, I or I should say one of those valuable activities of your business is to think about it. Are you on the right track? Are you on the right target? Are your activities on the right on track? Do the numbers justify the things you're doing? And so business planning becomes both a one time, once a year, every 90 day thing, as well as an ongoing process. Do you have time in your business every week to review your numbers or reviewing your leads or reviewing your appointments or reviewing your inventory, your, your uh, escrows, your, your pendings and such? So business planning is a process, it's not an activity. For too many real estate agents, this time of year, we go to events put on by Mike Ferry, Tom Ferry, every coaching company has one. You sit there for a day and they talk to you about four, five or six hours. You fill out notes. When you're done, you put it in your desk. Who's done that and never looked at that book again for another year? Who besides me has done that? Right, we all do. So, okay, good. <laughs> a lot of hands up. Okay, so we don't want to do that. We want it to be a process that we do regularly. Second, I want to say it's a tool for constant improvement. It's a tool for constant improvement. And what I mean by that is that whatever we're doing, we should always be looking at getting more leads. Like, you know, for me, I had my call this week, uh, this morning with my particular virtual assistant who does my YouTube channel with me and my video. And we always look at how many people are subscribed, how many people are watching, how many hours are being watched. We look at that all the time. I have another virtual assistant who does most of the admin. How many contacts are in our database? How many new leads are coming in? And then separately, I track how many uh, probate leads I get, you know, listing leads, uh, and then every day, my actives, my pendings, and my closings here today. We're always looking at those numbers, trying to improve it. Uh, Tony Robbins uses the phrase, can I, uh, constant, never-ending improvement. I was talking to a good friend of mine uh, yesterday, a good friend of the program, who uh, used that methodology as well. We want to always be improving everything we do. So it's not a process we do one time, go to meeting, and forget for the year. We should build into our weekly and monthly and quarterly schedule processes to constantly improve. Second, to there's a concept that that one of my old coaches used to say, which is running through the, the finish line. To me, that's a prospect for burnout because really business should be a process and a series of systems, a series of activities that are organic and work together. And we don't want to work so hard, let's say towards December to achieve our goal, that we, like a marathon runner, hit the finish line and have to collapse and recover for days. I don't believe that's the best way to live one's life. If you're if a family as well, or want to have a healthy life, you want to have a business. The goal of the business is not to work that hard. The goal of the business is for the business to work for you and for you to put input in and make the business work without you. So running through the finish line to me is a is a metaphor for you have a job to do versus a business, which is you input activities in the business and then you see your results, you're constantly trying to improve them. And, and towards that, I wanna share a, a, a graphic from Robert Kiyosaki, where he talks about the four quadrants. Who's Bob Knight? 
That's weird. There you go. Okay. <clears throat> this is Robert Kiyosaki, Richard Dad, Poor Dad. He wrote another book, The Cash Flow Quadrant. And so for employees, you have a job, but this is where most realtors are. You're self-employed, but you have a job. Most brokerages kind of talked us into working our business like an employee for them. And we're on 100% commission. We don't get a salary typically, but we work it like it's a job. If we don't show up, nothing happens. That doesn't make sense. I want to tell you today, for the month of January, 2024, um, I want to say about 20% of my income will come in this month with nothing to do with selling a house because I've built a business that generates income. Now, I want to get to where that number is 100%. I want the 100% to be higher. But the goal is to build a business that generates income, and that's three, to be a business owner. You own a system that works for you. So you can take time off for vacations or whatever. And then, and then the ultimate goal is where you're just an investor. So in my, in my case, I have the opportunity to have other agents who are in my downline work and generate income for me. And then I have stock in the company and ultimately that will pay a dividend and increase in value without me doing anything. That's the goal is to build equity in the business. So <clears throat> that's the goal of the business is to build a business. The goal of a business is not to learn how to be a super employee. And so we want to build to invest, build for the long term, plan how much money and time we're going to invest, and then make sure we get the return that we're supposed to get for that. So that said, I want to talk about the four things that you need to do to put into a business plan to be successful. Again, those are concepts we talked about, but there's four particular activities that I do every year. I keep it very simple. I don't talk about the money and the numbers in detail because I don't think that's really... I can't control a lot of that, uh, but I can control leads. I can control conversion numbers and ultimately the, the sales will take care of themselves if I do my job. So the first thing is you have to focus on your mindset. And I would say to you, what are you doing so that your mind is properly prepared to build your business successfully? What do you watch? What do you listen to? And what do you read? And you know, you, you have to do, you do all three. You can either pick them or the world will pick them for you. And I'm going to tell you that if you don't pick them carefully, the world will dump a bunch of junk in your head and you won't be successful and you'll wonder why. I'll never forget when I went to the dry cleaners. Uh, I can't touch the microphone. The wire is bad. I can't touch the microphone. The wire is bad. Okay, I have to make sure I remember that. I went to the dry cleaners and they had TV screens up with the news. I was thinking, what is the one thing you would never want customers you have to interact with to watch? If you could pick one thing that none of your customers would ever watch to make them more pleasant and more successful, what would you get rid of? I'd start with the news because there's no news on the news. There's nothing positive on the news, right? But how about you? Do you watch the news? And we all say, well, I don't watch news anymore. Well, yeah, do we watch it on your phone? Do we watch it on our on our iPad, we watch it, you know, we're, the world's trying to infect you with the mental poison. Are you letting it enter? And so if you really we have a program of positive mindset, positive reading, positive watching, 
uh, and positive um, uh, audio listening in your car. And so personally, I'll just share with you, I use YouTube premium, this called premium, yeah, which means no ads put in and I use YouTube and I create playlists of different things. One playlist they have is comedy. I love comedy to keep me, my mindset in the right place. I, for example, watch uh, meme, meme comedy. I love that stuff. I watch stand-up comedy, dry bar humor is one of my favorite channels. Uh, constantly listening to comedy, old comedy movies. I watched uh, my cousin Vinny again for the 10 millionth time through YouTube uh, for free, as it turns out. But I, I watched that. I, in my desk, I have three screens, my main screen, my data screen, and on the left, I have my video screen. And I'm playing videos nonstop to keep my mindset right. What are you doing to keep your mindset right? Uh, my first coach was Zig Ziglar. He said, you can change who you are and you can change what you are by changing what goes into your mind. You can change who you are and you can change what you are by changing what goes into your mind. I believe that. And so if you want to, if you want to have a business plan for the year, you want to change something, start with changing your mindset. I want to throw out two quotes I follow. I also love to follow football coaches press conferences, particularly after they lose. NFL football coaches usually have to go to a press conference in the locker room for five, 10 minutes. And this is how do they face adversity? Because we all face adversity in our lives. And I like to watch them in the wind too. I love to watch on YouTube their press conferences. A constant line you'll learn from certain coaches, they have certain philosophies. One is Mike Tomlin, one of the most successful NFL coaches of our, of our time. His is we need to do the routine things routinely. And for many of you agents, you can't do the routine things routinely. For example, writing a listing contract. Do you really know what the listing contract says every paragraph? Do you really know the probate addendum for those of us in California? You got that's the routine thing, and you have to know it routinely. I was I represented a prospective buyer on a probate property that was going to court confirmation. I actually went today. The real estate agent had no idea what they're doing. She didn't even pretend. She worked for a major company. I don't want to say the name of the company to embarrass them in first team real estate. Uh, so I'm not gonna say their name, but what I will say is the brokers didn't respond when I reached out to them. To say, hey, your 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 sales not gonna even get presented in court because you're not doing your job. I'd like to help you do your job, not because I'm gonna get paid, not to steal your client, but for you to do your job for the whole economy, for your customer benefit, for me to benefit, for the whole world to benefit. And the brokers are too busy to return my emails. Funny. But do the routine things routinely as a mindset that when you understand it, when something comes up that you need to take care of with the mindset that you're going to take care of it. Another one, uh, one of my favorite coaches uh, to follow is Bill Belichick of the New England Patriots. And his is do your job. Do your job. Know your job. Like too many of us want to tell other people how to do their jobs and don't know our job. We need to know our job really well. And that means top to bottom, really know what you're supposed to do and be an expert in that, whatever that is. So in the, in the business plan, the mindset of doing your job means you have your niche that you really know, the players, the procedures, the processes, the news, the activities, the resources. And if it's probate, you know your court, you know where the judges are, you know where the rooms are, you know what the local rules are, you know the state code. Basically, I'm not saying like an attorney, 
but you want to know your job and, and be able to do your job and do it routinely. Now, I'm not saying you're to get there day one. I'm saying that's what you're working towards every day. Okay, that's number one's mindset. Number two principle. Now, the next one's going to depend on where you are. If you'd be so kind in the chat box, if you're a brand new agent or in your first year, put new. If you're an established agent, but you're struggling and need more business, put established. If your experienced agent is doing well, but wants to do better, put experienced. Let me know who you, who's on the call here today with us, at least live on the on the Zoom call. And if you're watching on the if you're watching on the um, uh, live stream, uh, so we have a bunch of people on YouTube and Facebook. Feel free to put comments there as well. Uh, just give me an idea of who's on the call live. Established, experienced. Oh, it's interesting. A nice percentage. Either either we're, we're complimenting ourselves or we have. Expectation, which is what I was when I started uh, this business to some degree. Okay. So perfect. Number two then is create your plan. And your and the plan should be a series of activities. After you're done doing that, you should be able to create a perfect day and a perfect week and fill it in with blocks of time of when you're working. Now you might also put in your exercise time, like for me, I like to exercise midday. I just enjoy it more. I used to swim every day at 6 or 7 a.m. And man, even though California's weather's pretty good, it's much more pleasant at noon like today, even though it's a little cool, much nicer at noon than it is in the morning. So I rearranged my whole business where I'm basically swimming at noon, uh, you know, three or four day work days a week. It's in my calendar. It's not an accident. But to do that, I have to work early and I have to work afterwards and make all that work. So you need to pick your plan and you, and you should end up with a perfect day and a perfect week. You need to have your focus. Now in the YouTube channel, we have three sets of videos I've done, 11 ways to sell real estate, which means how to list property, 11 ways to make money in probate real estate, and 11 ways to buy probate properties. And I put the links in the YouTube live if you want to pick up those as well. But those are on the YouTube channel already. But you should pick your focus. My focus on how to get listings was twofold. One of them, if you're special for experience, should always be your current COI, your current center of influence, your current database. And you want to get probate business and you want to get a uh, 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 listing business by educating your database on how to handle probate and how to avoid probate. That's your richest first source of probate business. And I know nobody believes me when I say this, and I say this all the time, and I've never heard anybody argue the point. Most of my probate business in the last five years has come from people who I knew, but I didn't know they needed probate real estate, and they didn't know I did probate real estate until I started marketing to them. When two of my best attorneys, my best client all time were all people I knew, knew really well, like had been to my house or I'd been to their house. But I didn't know that's what they did. And they didn't know that's what I did until I started marketing to them consistently after a couple of years even. So you want to pick your focus. Mine was my second, first is your database, second was going to court. Now, the mistake we make in this industry is too many of us think the only way to build a private business is buying data and cold calling. 
And some of you are just never going to do it. 9% of you are never going to do it. Never. 9% of you are never going to do it. You're going to buy the data and feel guilty. It's almost like, you know, and I just see this with real estate agents in our industry. They're almost like abused wives or abused women uh, who, who let the broker tell them what they should do because they know that you're never going to do it. And then they, it's a way to kind of keep you under the thumb. Well, it's my fault. I didn't do more business. No, it's your fault because you didn't pick a method or system that worked for you and worked that. And the broker encouraged you to do the wrong thing or the company that sold the data encouraged you to do the wrong thing. The right thing is find something you're going to do and do that regularly. So in 11 ways, for example, I have a member of my team in Florida. She's the probate nurse. She loves interacting with other healthcare professionals in the senior space and uses that to get referrals. She likes that, right? There's other people I've met who do probate who they just interact with investors. They go to investor meetups, for example, online and in person. Great. They're not going to cold call three hours a day. They'll never do it. It's okay. You don't have to. You've got to do something three or four hours a day. You don't have to cold call. Find your process that you're going to do that generates leads. Count the activity, how many people you meet, how many add your database, and do that regularly. And so that's creating a process that's going to lead you to success. Companies sell you what they call probate leads. They're not leads, they're data. And the one thing I want you to know is the people you already know, already know, like, and trust you, and if some of them have probate business, you're much faster business there. If you are an attorney or, or your wife's an attorney or used to work for an attorney or in the case of the probate nurse, she was a nurse. She knew people who worked in senior living and they routinely would refer people to real estate agents to sell their homes to move into the adult facility. So you want to work your system, not somebody else's. Find the right one. So take a look at the 11 Ways series and find your niche. Find the process that you're going to work on a regular basis, not the process somebody else is going to work. Second is you want to then, once you've picked your focus, see, probate is a very broad topic. You could, for example, just focus on estate uh, sales. Maybe you're a collector, maybe collect baseball cards or Pokemon cards or Yadros or something. I don't know. And you go to every estate sale in your community. Why do people have estate sales? Well, either somebody's cleaning the house up to sell or somebody passed and they need to get rid of the house. And the estate sale professionals are another source of referral business. If you enjoy that, I don't enjoy that. That's not me. That's not because it's wrong. It's because it's not me. It might be you. What do you like to do? I went to court because I like going to court. I like putting on a suit. I wore a Brooks Brothers suit, white shirt, silk tie. I carried a briefcase, uh, one of those rolling briefcases like attorneys have. I loved it. You know, it, it's it's secure. You go by uh, metal detectors and there's shares there, air conditioning. They have a Starbucks. Like for me, the court was like the greatest place ever to work. I loved it. I live close to the courthouse. I live 30 minutes away. Some of you, it's not the same option. What do you like to do? Find your niche, find your passion. Now, I did a whole video on how to find your niche. And just a short version of that is, that's the intersection of three things, what you're good at, what you like to do, and what the market needs. And so when I made a list of those three things, one thing that was consistent was I was good at 
talking to attorneys, a lot of my clients were attorneys. I enjoy talking to intelligent people, educated people. And it was a market because customers were dissatisfied with the interaction with attorneys. I could fill in that niche. I could fill in that gap. And that's what I did and, and found my opportunity. Now, since most of you answered your experience agents, what I would say to you is, if you want to build your business, tighten up your database, your email, your social media, and then add in content related to probate and avoiding probate through estate planning. Make sure at least once a month, you should be emailing out at least weekly something. And once a month, either talk about probate, you can use, there's all kinds of stories about celebrities who didn't plan ahead who have to go through litigation or offer estate planning webinar or estate planning meeting with a local attorney that you wanna work with. There's a lot of ways you can serve your clients. But make sure your clients know that you're the answer to the question, either A, we want to avoid probate and have an estate plan, or B, somebody died, what do we do? Oh, call so-and-so, call you. You want that phone call, what do we do? I know people focus in on, um, there's a, a mom's house, which is a company that, that trains on how to work in the senior living care area, if you enjoy that. You can make, one of, one of the agents on my team, this is funny, about three years ago, she was struggling and she told me, well, I, I have two listings of both from the same person for my best friend. Oh, what's your best friend do? My best friend is a sales rep at a senior living facility. Well, tell me about that. Yeah, it's a regional company. They have like, you know, seven facilities in three states and she's one of five at her office. It's like a big organization. She's one of five salespeople in her facility is like 25 regionally. And her girlfriend goes to like these regional meetings with her colleagues, 25 colleagues at some business oriented hotel and they get training and such. And I said, so you're saying is your best friend has 25 best friends that all do the same thing she does. If you get two deals a year from her, you can get two from all of them perhaps. That's 50 deals. Maybe you just get five or six. You know, why not go to their meeting and go to the bar and invite them for a drink or invite them for breakfast or invite them for lunch, right? Like, if you enjoy that, if you enjoy meeting, the, but if you like that kind of person, right, then it makes sense to go after more those kind of people. So what I want to say then is once you pick your focus, you want to be the expert on that niche. For me, it was learning LA County probate procedure better than anybody. I read, I have the probate code book. Man, I started this call talking about technology. It's time for a new microphone. This is 20 years, I'm telling you. Can you guys hear me okay? Testing one, two, three. You're fine. That is good, but you can hear me? Okay, good. We'll use this. We'll use this other microphone. Okay. So 
I have on my shoulder the probate code for California right there, that blue book. I also go on the LA County website and they have rules. I've printed those out and read those. I'm a member of the LA County Bar Association as an affiliate and they have emails going out all the time with different information. In your niche, whatever one you take, be the master of that. Now, I'm not saying spend all day reading books, but put into your database, I'm sorry, in your calendar, time to research and learn your niche, whatever that is. You know, if it's estate sales, go online and search for estate sales. If it's, and regularly, put in a calendar once a week to look for new estate sales. If your niche is real estate investment groups, put in a calendar once a, a week to check Eventbrite and Meetup for real estate investor group meetups you can go to in your area. But you got to research and become the expert in who's doing what in your market area. And that's how you, how you get yourself the business. That's one of the procedures that goes into your weekly calendar. And so your, your business plan then becomes a collection of daily and weekly processes that lead you to, your, to a result that you monitor and are constantly improving. And I'll give you an example. Back when I went to court, so I live in West Los Angeles, Courts downtown LA, there was a Wednesday noon real estate investor meeting in Van Nuys. So it's kind of like a triangle. I would go straight east downtown and I would go kind of northwest to the valley, about 45 minutes. And then when the meeting was over, I'd come home. So instead of driving to the investment meeting two ways, I only went one way, it was coming from a prior meeting. I was already in a suit and tie. So my investment of time was only one 45 minute trip. Now they don't go to court every day to go to that meeting. It's two 45-minute trips there and back. Well, now my investment of time has gone up, and I wasn't getting enough leads per hour to justify my going there because I was tracking it, how many leads I got in that program. So I go there once every three months or so and meet a bunch of people at one time. So a business then becomes analyzing your results and constantly improving your procedures and processes to get better results. Is that getting too technical? No? Questions on that? If you track your leads every week, you'll notice that sometimes you go, you do certain things and they drop off. You guys say, well, why am, I not, why am I not meeting more people at this event? Because there's only so many new people every week. Well, maybe you don't go every week. Maybe you go every other week. Maybe you go once a quarter and find other meetings to go to. So you have to constantly be looking at your numbers and changing your procedures and processes to keep the numbers where they need to be. The third is really your foundation, which is your database. That is your business. The people who know, like, and trust you, that you can influence, that you can create value for in a way that they then bring you business. And so you have to track it all the time. When I ask agents, how many people in your email database I often get a bunch of words. The right answer is a number, right? Now mine's big and it changes daily. So for me to answer it, I have to look up to give you the exact number. But I can tell you the basic number is 14,000. But I became relentless. I started about 700 five years ago before I, before I realized that was the key to my business. And every single person I met or a center for a program I've done is, is my goal is to get them all into that database. Everybody's been on this call, hopefully registered to have your email. I have multiple emails for some of you, 
in that database. So that then becomes the business. The business equity value is that database. Now, it's not the program that it's in that's important. It's the collection of names, numbers, and your ability to access it and to influence people with it, create value for them with your database. And I'll give you an example of that. So back when that database was about 12,000, I do an email every week. I've done this for a long time to my real estate client database. And I had about 6,000 people of which about 4,500 were active, 1,500 had unsubscribed or became old emails. So of the 12,000, 6,000 were in my COI, and I would email out to them every week, my weekly email. And it's a long form about the real estate market update with a video that I would post and drive YouTube traffic. And one day I said to myself, but who are the other six? I had a, in my database, though, in my MailChimp program, I had 12,000 emails. So I had 6,000 I called my COI. Who are these other 6,000? They weren't tagged. Well, the answer turned out a lot of them were people I should have tagged to COI, but somehow missed it. But I got their email address. Because when I emailed out that second group, the exact same email, my open rate on my emails is about 39%. I had the exact same email open rate on that second group, 39%. What I realized was all those people I'd met knew me, liked me, and trusted me. That's why they gave me their email at some point. I had dropped the ball and not continued the conversation. And so my goal now is to continue hopefully giving them information they find valuable, inviting them to events that they'll find helpful for their business or their life. So I say the same to you, that, that the equity of your business is all those people that you've met that know, like, and trust you. The ones who don't, they'll unsubscribe or they'll ignore your emails. Don't worry about it. But you have people who are waiting for your guidance, your help. Be the bigger person to help them. Put yourself on the line, whatever that means to you. If you learn something about real estate, share that with as many people as possible. And once you share something, to add in another 10 20% or 50%, of your database, it, you're just sharing the same value with more people. You're making yourself more valuable. So your foundation becomes that database. And then what you do with it, between emailing, posting social media content, in my case, I do a lot of video work, I invite people to live streams, that becomes the business for me creating an inbound business. I don't outbound cold call. I do postcard referral sources, in my case, attorneys. I built a list of about 250 attorneys that I've worked with. I send them a postcard. I just started doing that again recently, once a month. That costs about a buck and a half a postcard. But I don't cold mail. These are all attorneys I've met or done a deal with, or they were on the other end of a probate. Somehow I got, I've talked to them before, met them in court maybe. But then you have your foundation and then how you market to those people becomes your business. So you go out and meet new people, put them in your database, and you have to have something to stay engaged with them. If you have an email address, you post to the social media where they're at, that's the way you stay in touch with them. Okay, wow, time flew. I, I covered a lot of material I wanted to cover. Those are the four, oh, and the fourth point. So I, again, just to cover the three points of your business plan, your mindset, create your plan, which is the list of procedures, processes, that should equal a perfect day and a perfect week. That's how you should be spending your time. So you should know every day when you go to work what you're supposed to be doing. Every day, you should know. You know, for me, 8 to 12 is lead generation time. If I do something else, I have to make up for it later in the day. But my perfect day is lead generation time. 
And then I break from noon for two hours to exercise. Take an hour break, uh, to and from, you know, shower afterwards, and then work from two till five in my case. What's your schedule? And what are you doing to those activities? And do you have lead generation I built into it? So that was number two. Number three was your foundation. Then everything is funneling into your, what do you want to call that database? Center of influence database. What do you want to call that? I would call it the foundation. That is your business. If you're going to sell it, that's what you're selling. And the last again, action. Whatever you're supposed to do, do that. My goal is to talk to as many people as can every day. I can't control all of it, but I get people who invite me to speak to their group. That's that's the, the best. Because now I have all those new people coming into my system. I promote my own events. You're on this one. And I meet new people on this at register regularly. I get about eight new signups to this a week. But it's a constant process. And then people see they get on YouTube and watch on YouTube instead. So again, mindset. Number two is to pick your plan, your focus. Three is building your foundation. And then four is getting into action. And then all you do is you evaluate regularly. So you have to have in your procedures weekly tracking your numbers. How many people did you meet this week? Did your foundation numbers go up or did you go up enough? And where did they come from? And then where did you need to do more of and who do you have to talk to? Okay, I've done a lot of talking. Uh, this is meant to be interactive. Um, Facebook says, makes sense. Thank you. I'm sure whatever I said made sense. And uh, Michael said, express agent slowly going broke. Michael, we don't see you go broke. We want to help you avoid that. So that's why we're all here is we need to make sure we're focused on the target. I think for a lot of real estate agents, we got sold into working as employees in our own business rather than understanding the goal is to build a business that we own and the business works for us, and we can either do something else or keep building that business. Questions, comments. I covered a lot of material. I talked quickly, and the audio is different, so sorry about that. What questions do you guys have? So, Bill, <clears throat> when you're talking about probate-type work with a particular real estate brokerage that may not be um as nuanced as we are as far as what paperwork is required and whatnot and the requirements for the for document retention and they may not understand that even though you have an offer to purchase it doesn't mean that you just run to the the closing attorney like so many do that there might be an upset bid period like with us if you get an offer and the courts accept it there's a 10-day upset bid period which another bidder may come in or another buyer may come in and put another bid in and it may go on for two or three years and some of the real estate brokerages don't necessarily understand that because they're looking at it as you've got an offer you've got a closing date how do you smooth that over with uh, say with exp they have sky slope which you know they can constantly have auditors that are watching that kind of thing and just to clarify you're in north carolina I'm in North Carolina, yeah. Yeah. So every state's a bit different. California is the most regulated. But I do believe that the California Association of Realtors has done a great job in both protecting its members, agents, and our consumers. 
by effectively regulating and creating procedures. So in California, we have very specific probate addendums for listings and for contracts that spell out all the possibilities and really protect both parties really well. And I've talked to brokers. I don't believe there's any other state that has a state association realtor form. I'm not, I've, I've inquired every state I can think of. There's no other, uh, and if anybody has one, please bring it to my attention. Uh, and then when I ask attorneys, well, what do you do to protect your client? I mean, the question you're asking, Matt, would be a great question to ask a probate attorney for that client. What are you doing to protect the client from the upset bid and perhaps being sued for not disclosing properly? Or what do you do to protect the, the, the realtor who might be your business client from maybe not disclosing properly and a client suing them for misleading whatever? Now, California is also more litigious than other states, so that's more of an issue. The fear of being sued is more of an issue in California than other states. But to answer your question, in your state, I don't know the answer. I think the answer can only be, you know, disclosure, communication. In our MLS, you know, we can put probate yes or no, court confirmed yes or no. We have a, a, a comment section for those kinds of things, and we can attach disclosures. But in North Carolina, you don't have that. So it's a good question. I think all the more reason why being an expert, because I, if I was an attorney in North Carolina and my state sung a house with potential court, uh, you you use the word overbid. You use upset bid. I think was the term. You you muted. I'm sorry. Yeah, they call it an upset bid period, but it's really okay. an upset offer period. Okay, so if I was an attorney, I think I'd want to at least think about what do I do to protect my clients so they're not misrepresenting the property being for sale. And um, uh, there must be some code in North Carolina that protects those customers. Uh, but it seems to me that it'd be nice to have standard boilerplate language in your contracts as well to, to put customers on notice. So uh, I, I ask attorneys, they're always impressed when I ask them, uh, but I've not yet met one in other states. I've asked more details in Texas, Florida, and Georgia. I've never really asked a question to a North Carolina attorney, but I'd ask the same question. Is there something you would recommend I put in the contract to protect your client? And let's make sure we do that on the listing and do that on the contract. But uh, I'm not aware of any. I think that's, I think that part of the, part of what the, the, the question you're asking creates the tension of the agent because how could you know what's going to happen? You really can't. And if you as an expert know all the possibilities and you know, well, we can't know, but here are the uncertainties that we do know. Here's what could happen by law. Then you create the certainty in an uncertain situation that I think the attorney and the customer appreciate. The least you know the uncertainty, you know what those potential outcomes are. Maybe you've seen some of those outcomes. Uh, then you become a resource to them rather than just another real estate agent. Yeah. In some cases, what I will do is I will ask them if they have a particular listing contract that, mm -hmm. that's specially designed for probate versus the standard forms because as it is the standard forms for north carolina has nothing for probate but you made a good point is to put in it is there is there any uh declarations or anything like that from the courts that need to go into documents has an attorney ever given you a uh verbiage they wanted to put in um that sometimes they want to put a you know one sentence sometimes they want to put you know four pages in so it's really i would keep the attorney dependent i would keep the four pages and one thing about legal work is at least in california 
once it's filed as public record, anybody right. can copy that and reuse mm -hmm. it as a template. So, you know, I would, I would be collecting those and I would, and then when I have a, you know, perspective listing with another attorney, I'd say, and I've done this. So I literally have done this with attorneys where I'd say, well, here's the best practice I've seen. Do you want me to include this in our, in our listing or in our offer? And I think uh, attorneys are, are impressed that you've taken the trouble to share, not that you're, not that you're making the legal recommendation, but you're doing the administrative work of saying, because he, the attorney might say to their clerk, hey, research all the probate cases and find what contract addendums they have. That's hard work. Theoretically, you've collected a couple and you can show them. Well, here's right. what the best mm -hmm. attorney uses. And the other thing I did when I started was I went into the court records and I looked at the best attorneys and the most successful realtors and I looked at their court filings and saw what they were using and copied that. Yeah, that's that's a good practice because uh, you can always get it reviewed by that attorney and then they'll make adjustments accordingly. Yeah, put in a Google Doc and send to them and let them edit it any way they want. But at least you're giving them the boilerplate or the foundation that they can reject or they can they can work off of. But again, especially if it's a well-known attorney that they might recognize the name and go, oh, wow, that's what Susie uses? I'll take a look at that. Like, that's impressive. And what's interesting is I used to go to um, professional fiduciary. I think what it's called. Um, there's a group of professional fiduciaries, PFAC, Association of California, or Association of California. So I had a monthly meeting, and, like, the best attorneys in town would come and do a talk about one problem, and they would include copies of filings they had done on that topic. I started collecting them, and then when an attorney asked me about that, so well, we have this problem, I'd say, well, I saw this attorney, and here's what he you know, brought up at the PFAC meeting, and, and the attorneys just ate that up. Okay. Matt, thank you so much, as always. Nice to see you. Happy New Year. Uh, okay. Anybody else have any questions, comments? I don't see any hands up here. Let me look at the live stream. Okay. So Michael's also in Charlotte, North Carolina. He says that they do not have a probate addendum. You have to disclose it was a court-ordered sale. And North Carolina, the heir inherits ownership at the same time of the death of the decedent. Interesting. So again, every state's different. And I think you want to learn the rules in your state so you can be the expert, not to give legal advice, but so that you can share what your experience is or what this attorney told you, or what you learned in a particular class. Uh, Wes says, my message on point, we got lost times in the maze, I really like this approach, hopeful point of the... Uh, thanks, Wes. Thank you for the nice comments. Um, okay, good. Other questions, comments? You don't have to. I, again, my goal here was, business planning should not be a one-day entertainment fest. Business planning should be a, I think, you turn off the phone, lock the door, sit down with a pad pan, or I use a, a Google Doc, I use a whiteboard, and I wrote out you know, what I wanted to do, what my procedures, I wrote out a calendar for the week, and what my, how I wanted to restructure my day. I've restructured my day this year. I'm turning 65 in a couple of weeks, so I wanna do a little more exercise, I wanna work a few less hours, and so I'm gonna be trimming out some activities I used to do, because I don't have to, I'm not, I'm not building my business with the same intensity I was five years ago, but I still have a good business. I want to grow it, uh, but I also want to be healthy and I want to um, enjoy what I'm doing a little bit more. So, uh, but, but that's my life. You need to build the way you want it. And so build the calendar 
in the way that supports your life, whether it be family or spiritual or religious or whatever it is that supports you, design it for it to work and then hold to it. And that way people call you. So the, the advantage I have is when people want me to do things, you know, I have a calendar. I can send them a link and they book in my calendar. I don't have to compromise my time because my calendar has those times blocked out already. My workout time and my family time is already blocked out of my calendar. So I'm offering them the times that work for me. And I just, once I start doing that, I realize if I offer the times that work best for me, most people will work around my calendar. Well, good. I mean, I'm, I'm glad to make that work. I don't go out to lunch. You know, I just, I, you know, I don't enjoy it. I don't like the time. With a friend, I would. But for business, you know, it's just, it just doesn't, it's not how I want to generate business today. Now, when I was younger and on the come up, I had to go to lunch. I, I booked five lunches a week and went on three of them. And that was how I started creating relationships um, pre-COVID. In LA, pre-COVID, you could do that. Today in LA, going to restaurants is kind of scary. I, you know, to be honest, I'm just um, not comfortable in nice restaurants here in Los Angeles today. So I, since I'm not comfortable doing that, I don't want to do it. I, I have to. If you work hard enough and get business elsewhere, then you can choose where you do it. Okay, any other questions, comments? We can wrap up now. We've got just a few minutes left in the calendar anyhow. But um, not seeing any. I don't see any on the live stream. Off oh, we go. Uh, I don't know. Press a little bit of powder. That's nice. Make cold. <laughs> Got a little. It's funny when you when you do uh, live streams. How people jump in with their offers to help you promote things. It's kind of funny. Any other questions, challenges, comments on this topic or any other topics? As we're wrapping up, was this helpful? Topic we should do again sometime. And what I say to you is you should put in your calendar to review your business plan once a quarter because you don't want to go too far off track. Business planning, as I said, is not an activity. It's a process. And so you have in your weekly activities, checking your numbers. Are you on track? Not, I check my numbers every day. Look, I was spreadsheet every day of my leads, listings, uh, actives, and closings. I look at those numbers every single day. It takes me two minutes to update it. I do it, not my assistant. And then once a week, I'm looking at all the numbers and hopefully they're moving in the right direction. Whether or not, we're changing our procedures. And then once a quarter, I do a deeper dive. Okay, I think that's it. Um, so just a couple of quick resources. If you want to come on, this is Probate Weekly. And we do this, as the name goes, every week on Thursday, 4 p.m. sometime, 7 p.m. Eastern time. You can come in live on the, YouTube, on the uh, uh, Zoom call by registering at probate.com, probate.com. If you want to continue the conversation, go to our Facebook group, Probate Weekly, and you can post your content, promote it. Um, uh, love to have you promote your, uh, Courtney does this, your videos, your probate-related content, to share it with us so we get more views, more likes. Uh, and I put my content there, and there's my real estate meme stream. Uh, there's a guy doing on um, um, Trust and Estates. So feel free to promote your content on probateweekly.com. I'd love to have you. Uh, participate and build your business. Uh, I'm Bill Gross. I'm at Bill Gross Probate on social media. Uh, TheLAProbateExpert.com is our website. Hope you guys have a great year, great 2024. I'm here to help. Look forward to work with you. Thank you, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.